of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, and do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. And so here what we see, uh, as we just kind of begin, the title of my message today is Eat the Book. Eat the Book. And one of the reasons why I, I mention it that way is because we're really getting into a time in, 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 in all over the world where we have what I call manual problems. Manual problems. I remember just for Christmas, uh, during Christmas time when uh, we got my son this Lego set, uh, this Lego set, and he was building this Lego statue. And as he was working on it, he got frustrated at one point. Why? Because there was one part that was not locking in into the next. And so he got frustrated. I remember him throwing a tantrum to the point where my wife and I just sent him upstairs and we said, you need to take a nap. You're making this a big deal. So he was working on this Lego set, and, and I remember sending him upstairs, and, and I realized it was a very big deal to him. So I went, and I started looking around. I picked up the manual and started work, walking through every single step. And I think uh, by the time I got to step number 179, that's when I realized where he had made a mistake, uh, where he had made a mistake. And, but I really kind of had to work through that and rearrange some things and so that I could follow the manual. And that one, once I had followed the manual and I had put everything together, I remember him coming downstairs and putting this really happy face because he realized that daddy had fixed it. He had fixed it. And, and I want to pose this problem. One of the biggest problems we have in the church today is because we are the people of the book, but really, we do not know the book. In fact, we're going to know that it's, 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 a, it's a well-known fact that the Bible is the, is the bestseller of all times, but yet it's the least read book. It's the least read book. And there's consequences to, to, towards that. It's because if you're not getting into the Word of God, therefore, you're not being formed you're not being conformed in the image of his son because the Bible is going to really be very explicit. If you read John 5 verse 39, it's gonna, Jesus is going to say to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures hoping that these scriptures are going to lead you to eternal life, but they're meant to lead you to me. Right after Jesus has risen from the dead in, in, in Luke chapter 24, he, it's going to say that he took the disciples and he, he walked them through, through, the, 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 through the Torah and walked them through the, the prophets and walked them through the Psalms. And he showed how these are all testifying to him. So for us as believers today, one of the things that, that is bothering us today is that we're malnourished towards knowing Jesus because we are not searching the scriptures, and so therefore, we're not constantly being led to the one we love more than anything, which is Jesus. So, once we get to this passage here, uh, I, I love this passage because here you get to see this, this picture that, that is being painted. Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead, and Moses had one task. 
it was to take to deliver the children of Israel who were enslaved, who were enslaved, who were enslaved, and he takes them, uh, he takes them across the desert. But when they are about to go to the promised land, Moses dies, and God says, Moses, take your assistant, your disciple, and take him, and he is the one who is gonna who's gonna lead the children of God. So he comes and speaks to Joshua here, and and Joshua here is probably thinking the opposite. If you're seeing there where he's saying, be strong and be courageous, really at the end of the day, Joshua is scared. Joshua, and and the passage actually helps us because God would not say, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Joshua is looking and he's seeing, and he's leading. Why why is, is he scared? Because he's leading a stubborn people. He is leading a people that, man, are prone to wander like the hymn say. You leave them just for one day, they would build, they would build an idol and worship it and forget the God who parted the waters. And so at this moment, Joshua is, is looking at the task of leading an obstinate people, leading a whining and complaining people to the promised land, and he is dismayed. And God here is going to come back and he's going to say, be strong and be courageous. And at the center of this text, and if you could look, look here and, and, and if you are underlining those phrases, be strong and be courageous and you will have success. Be strong and be very courageous. And if you are looking on those, on, on those, those, those words there, you will get to see that God is cueing him and he's saying, listen, Be strong and be courageous. Why is it that you need to be strong and courageous? Is that because you will will know that I am with you. If you do one thing, if you meditate on my word. So... What ends up happening here is that we we get into the Bible usually just to know the Bible. But here what you get to see here is that God is saying meditate on the word of God. Get into the Bible because you are forgetful creatures and when you get into the bible and you start meditating on this word you will discover me and when you discover me you will know that i am with you and when you know that i am with you you will know that no one can so you see what's going on. It's not just studying the word of God on its own. There's a means to an end. For us today, we call it discipleship. Matthew chapter 28, we get to hear Jesus say, go into all the world. So, so this is that, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's meditating on, on the word of God. And what? And, and surely I'm with you till the ends of the world. And this is what, what is discipleship meant to gain its power from? The fact that he is a God who is with us. He is with us. And so, so uh, uh, Eugene Peterson says this. says the Christian scriptures are primary text for Christian spirituality. Christian spirituality is in its entirety rooted in and shaped by by, 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 by scriptural text. We do not form our personal spiritual lives out of a random assemblage of favorite texts in combination with individual circumstances. We are formed by the Holy Spirit in accordance to the text of Holy Scripture. 
God does not put us in charge of forming our personal spiritualities. We grow in accordance to, to his word. And so he states the problem here. He says, he says, but the text that seems to be most in favor in the American landscape today is the sovereign self. And I want, I want that to kind of just kind of sink in for a second. The text that seems to be most prevalent in the American landscape today is the sovereign self. One of the reasons why we struggle to read and to understand the Bible is, is because when we look at the Bible, there is a competing voice to that, which is the sovereign self. And so he goes on and kind of tells a story, and he says, A friend told me recently of an acquaintance, a lifelong reader of the Bible, who realized one day that his life was not turning out as he thought the Bible said it would. And so he decided there and there, that in, and, and in his words, to make my life the authority instead of the Bible. So this is actually most of our culture. Most of our culture, our secular and religious, supports the man's decision over God's decision. And so what will end up happening is that what we're seeing day by day, whether it's on media, whether we're seeing the sovereign self thriving versus God's word. And so, so I, I want to just like this morning, I just want to change like, if, if, if anything, I just want to really kind of steer you, steer you towards a certain posture of reading the Bible so that you can get success out of God's Word. And that success is so that you can be formed by the Word of God. And so there are three postures that, that, that um, theologian Daniel Doriani kind of writes about this and introduced me to these three postures. Sometimes... Um, the problem with us sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we notice this sovereign self showing up when we read the Bible from over it. And this is when we read, it's not wrong to read the Bible critically, but when we read it mainly to critique it, and, and usually at the end of the day, the reader has the final word, not the word of God. The reader has the final word, so he can read the Bible and say, um, yeah, but I just don't agree. I'm right here. And the second posture that sometimes, and this is now a lot prevalent in the church, is reading the Bible from sites beside it. This is reading the Bible as a peer. Reading the Bible as a peer. And so this is where most of us as Christians, we, 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 we read the Bible, but the reader has the last word, but hesitates to say so. And they, they, they agree that they can be changed, but they, they can reluctantly reject the word of God. And so at the end of the day, the, 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 the critical reader still believes, the, the, this, this person, um, the critical reader says, I, I read the Bible, but I make my own meaning, which is postmodernism at its best. Right? I control the meaning, but this one who reads beside it says they read it, but they, they read it at the end of the day. The Bible is very suggestive to you. It's suggestive to you. It's, it's just going to say, it's going to say, hey, you need to do this. And then you're going to say, yeah, I understand what it's saying, but I'm going to do my own thing. And then I'm going to come to it. And so at the end of the day, we cherry pick what we like and what we don't like out of the Bible. But what I want to really encourage us to read the Bible is from underneath it. 
Why? Because, because God has spoken. And he is the one who is sovereign. And so, so when you read the Bible from the beginning, you will introduce to this one being. In the beginning, God. A lot of times, most of our problems are actually, they, they, they are right there in those first three words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. That there already tells you that he is the center of the universe, not us. He's the center of the universe. So in the beginning, God. It means that, it means that God is the one who's got the claim on, on, on the world. He is the creator who moves on creation and creation begins to, to obey his voice. To obey his voice. And, and, and what, what ends up happening is that like now the sovereign self versus the sovereign God is that now we are all guilty of committing what I call the cosmic plagiarism. Man likes to take credit for the things that he is not, he's not in charge of. God is the one who's at the beginning. So the Bible for us is that God has spoken, so we obey. And, and if, you, if you study the Reformation theology, uh, Reformation theology, I like when Luther, Martin Luther says this, when he's, when, when he's protesting the, the Roman Catholic Church and he's protesting, he, he's going to stand after reading the word of God, Romans 1.16, he's going to look and he's going to see that, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for in it is what? It, for it is the power of salvation for, for the first, the Jew, and the Gentiles. And in there, what he's going to see is that the righteous live by faith and, and he is going to challenge the practices of the church. And when he's asked to recant, the word of God has been taken and so intertwined to his conscience that he says this, I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. And this is actually what it looks like when you read the word of God and you go underneath it and it intertwines with your heart. All of a sudden you find yourself at the face of compromise. You cannot do any other but obey God. And so here, here what you're getting to see here is this, this is a posture that, that, that actually, that, that when, when it reads the Bible, it confesses that I don't fully understand this as fully as possible. Yes, I do understand. I, I'm reading this, I, but I, I, it will take all eternity for me to fully grasp what this means. For example, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, I understand who Jesus is. I understand what he has done. But the truth of the matter is that I don't fully grasp what he has done for me. That's why I am prone to wonder. So what I need to do, I need to constantly go back and meditate and acknowledge. When you're going underneath the scriptures, you are acknowledging that as much as I know he died for me, I don't fully grasp it as much as possible. So I am... I've been saved, but I am being saved, 
But there is going to be one day when I walk in there and I see the jewel of heaven sitting on his throne. And I am going to understand what God did for me when he emptied heaven and sent him down for me to come and die for me. And on that day, I'm going to be filled in awe of like what he has done for me. I will never fully know what he has done for me. So constantly, I am walking into this truth over and over again. So when we read scripture, we need to remind ourselves that we probably don't believe these passages as purely as we should. Right? And so constantly and let the word of God constantly hit your heart and, 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 and search you. This is going to be the cry of David in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. So when we read the scriptures, we're not only just like, a lot of times it's easy for us to look horizontally. Man, if a man, if I look aside, like aside, and they're just like, they're church members at our church where I'm like, I'm doing better than him. I'm doing better than him. But when we read the scripture and we look up, you will always see how far you are from believing that fully. So what ends up happening here is that we are called here to obey the scriptures and to constantly go in. And so um, Eugene Peterson is going to follow here and he's going to say, we are more than our usefulness and our reputation, our jobs, and everything that you do. Our society sometimes kind of draws lines and kind of defines us according to anything. Like, it's just that there's a grid system of, 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 of defining human beings. And usually they say, man, you, you do you. You go find yourself and do all that stuff. But if you, if, if the beginning, God is the one who moved on the earth, and he created us in his image. If you attempt to form yourself apart from your maker, you're probably trying to run, you're trying to run, you're trying to manage your story with 10% of what, what, you're, what you're made of. And, and so Eugene Peterson is saying, he's going to say this, if, we, if you try to understand and form ourselves by ourselves, we leave most of ourselves out. And so you, you, you will never really fully form yourself unless you go to that one in the beginning, God. And when you go back to that one, you're going to discover who God is. And out of that, you're going to get to discover who you are. And that's what a life of you're going to discover who you are. And so in our text here, we get to see Moses is dead. Just to unpack it, Moses is dead. And when Moses is dead, um, God moves in and says to, 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 to Joshua, I, I need you to take my people. This is what success is. Every time you're kind of underlining, the prosperity gospel has taken that word and made success to be something else that's, that, that it's not. Success was moving people from one place to the promised land. And so for, for us, the Christian success, you want to know what the Christian success is? Philippians 1, 6. I am what? Confident in this, that he who began a good work in you and is forming you 
is going to be faithful to what? To bring it to completion in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what making disciples is all about. And Romans 8, verse 28, is going to say what? Romans 8, 29, is going to say, God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So that he could be the big brother and we're little brothers. We're adopted. We're adopted into the family. And he is working in us. And in Galatians chapter 4, chapter 4, Paul is going to write to the Galatians. And he says, my little children, in whom I what? I, I'm in anguish of, 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 of childbirth. Until what has happened? Until Christ has been formed. Until you are formed in Christ. The journey, true success in, in, in Christianity is not the abundance of things. It's the abundance of us resembling Jesus. Amen. That's really what it is. And so, so if you're looking and you're paralleling those two, I'm glad that today we don't, God doesn't have to say, Moses, my servant, is dead. Because Jesus, his servant, is alive. And he is able to Amen. what? Begin a good work, continue a good work, and Take us away. Take us home. And so for us, what is success? In, in, in this passage here, it was moving people from, from what? From Egypt all the way to the promised land. For us, it is being conformed to the image of his son, David. And so that's what success is. Even it, it, when, you, when you're thinking, what is the true success? And I know that's even Pastor Larry's heart. That like our, our main job as pastors is we will not stop until Christ is formed in you. Until he is formed. And, and that's going to take a lot of confronting idols. That's going to conf- take a lot of confronting your, your, your wanting to be sovereign in your life and giving up and saying Jesus is Lord. But how is that meant to happen? So you just, you're getting to see here, there are three words that I want you, when you see like, be strong and be courageous, these are the three words that, that you get to see here. The first time he says, be strong and be courageous, you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I saw, that I saw to their fathers to give them. So what you get to see there is that like, there's the first time he says that it has to do with, it has to do with just the commission. Be strong and be courageous. I, I'm giving you a job. What is this job? Take these people from point A to point B. Be strong and courageous. I'm giving you a job. And then you're going to see the second time is be strong and be very courageous. That's where you get to see this book of law. You shall meditate on it day and night. And the last, be strong and courageous there. You say, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's meant to be the confidence. There's a commission. He has a job to do. And he has a definition of what success is. And there's this, there's this now. What is going to drive it all is going to be communion. And his confidence is going to come from communion. Because when he communes with God, he's going to be confident that what? Didn't I command you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is the key. The key there is not 
study scriptures. Because the, 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 the key is not to turn all of us into little Pharisees. The, the, the means to an end is that when you interact with the God of scripture, all of a sudden, when, when you interact with scripture, you are led to the God of scripture. And when you know, when you get to know more and more about who this God is, he's faithful, he's trustworthy, he's all that I need. All of a sudden, then now you can face any trial possible. How was Joshua meant to stand and fight battles if he, didn't, if he was not confident that God was with him? He was about to get into battle upon battle. Read the whole story of Joshua. And the key to that was, keep your eyes on the book of the law so that you will know I'm with you. And as long as you know I'm with you, no man can stand against you. So, so you see the key here. The key here is, we go into the, we have a job to do, and we are meant to go into the scripture, continue to commune with God, and out of there we get the confidence to do what he's called us to do, and be able to even leap over mountains that stand before us. Because we are confident that he is with us. And that he is with us. And this is the confidence that I'm calling us to. And you're getting to see, be strong and be very courageous. That word meditate in there, and you're getting to see, that word meditate in there is the word that, that talks of, uh, in, Psalm 1, uh, in Psalm 1 verse 2, uh, it's used in the same way as well. It, it talks of muttering, talking over and over and over. So make the word of God your, your preoccupation. Make it your preoccupation. Mutter it over and over and over. And, and I love, I love just what, the way it's used here. You get to see, um, for example, I, I think it was, uh, it, it was in Exodus chapter uh, 17 um, where, God, where God is fighting, uh, is fighting and Moses is standing at the top of the mountain. And, and, and in chapter 18, he's standing on top of the mountain and, 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 and they're lifting his hands. And Joshua is in the valley and he's fighting. And what ends up happening is that like the next, we get to hear the first time, the, just the mention of writing of the Bible. It, it, it actually says, write these words down in Exodus 17, 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial of the book and recite it, listen to this, in the ears of Joshua. That recited in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under the heavens because he's going to face Amalek in the future. And he's going to say, and, and they, they, there's almost like this, this, this thing of like Joshua is at the bottom. And as long as they lift up, they lift up Moses' hands, they're winning. But every time he puts them down because he's tired, they're losing. And there is a possibility that Joshua is going to think it's his strength that's doing it. Because there's no time for you to be looking up the mountain. You are in the battle. You're fighting and all that. And God says, write these things and recite them in the ears of Joshua. What's important there? Because it's going to be easy for Joshua to forget. It's going to be easy for, to forget. And so, so here, it's this word that talks about just constantly chewing on God's word. To, to, to mutter this word. And, and I always tell this to, to, to young people. I say, man, this is where we see the first mumble rapper here. 
Because that's what meditating on God's word is. Mumbling God's word over and over. I mean, this is a very, in someone, it's a very awkward guy. He talks to himself. But he is preoccupied. And, and here God is saying, Joshua, I'm not sending you first to the barracks to go train. Your main thing is going to be to meditate on my word. And if you meditate on my word, it's going to be enough to win the battle. It's going to be enough. And so you're getting to see this. And in the Bible, it's going to really be very explicit on what meditating on God's word looks like. In Psalm 63, 6, it's going to say, When I remember you upon my bed, I meditate on you in the watches of the night, focusing on God himself. When's the last time you sat down and meditated on who God is? Let me tell you, this is now when the New Testament says, If God is for us, who shall be against us? If you do not know how powerful and how magnificent he is, if you do not know him as Jehovah El Gibor, a mighty warrior, you will give in to any problems in life. Meditate. He said David would sit and meditate on God, on who he is. In Psalm 77, meditating on his work, I, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 143, 5, it's going to say, I remember the days of old. I meditate on, on all that you have done and ponder on the work of your hands. And then there's meditating on what he has commanded. And something is happening as you're meditating over and over and over. And so here we're, 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 seeing, we're seeing, there's this little pattern that you see. Here they're being called to, Joshua is being called to read the word not only just read the word, usually like uh, we, today we're just like, I, I, I usually talk to a lot of people that are like, I read the word of God, but I get nothing out of it. Read the word, recite the word of God, and which sometimes the people that are like, man, I'm not getting anything out of it. And I tell them, hey, listen, why don't you read it aloud to yourself? Faith comes by hearing and read it aloud to yourself. But you're seeing something else that's going on here. Um, and I like to use this word, ruminate over the Bible. Ruminate. And it cows, you know, I, I, I grew up in Africa, so I, I, would go to, I would go to my grandparents and I would see uh, they, my, my grandfather had more than 30 cows. And like you would watch them do life. Uh, and so they would go and they would eat all day. They would eat all day and they would eat. And, but if you don't know what ruminants do is that they've got four stomachs. Four stomachs. And so what they do is that they will spend the whole day just binge eating. Right? They, they just binge eating. They eat anything and everything. But man, you visit that joker at night, you're going to see him like standing. Sometimes they're standing and sometimes they're laying down. And But what's happening is that during throughout the night, food actually moves from the first stomach. First stomach comes back to the mouth and chews it a little bit more, chews it a little bit more, moves from, from, from the mouth to the second stomach. And so first of all, we're going to empty the first stomach and, and that we, we just spend a whole time feeling and then it'll come and then later on like after the second stomach is full we're gonna bring it back again we're gonna chew man we're gonna get everything out of this thing 
We're going to chew it again and then it'll go into the third stomach. And then listen, some of you, I'm grossing you out this morning, right? But like this is actually what it is. And in third stomach, it'll come out. By the time you go in the morning, you will find, you will find the most refined droppings everywhere, right? <laughs> Why? Because, and that's actually what, what we're called to do. Meditating on God's word is way above just reading the word of God. It's really going in and really just saturating yourself in it. And then but what I want you to see here is that there's also this call to respond. To respond. It's not only just to meditate on it and just do nothing. But I want you to see there's this word and be careful to do. And be careful to do. So it's, it's obedience that even James pushes on in the book of James. That what? Meditate on God's word. That yes, but let's be careful not only just be hearers. Let's be doers. And he says, be careful to do. Be on God and do what the word of God is. And then that's where success is promised. So it's God's word that the spirit uses in us and feels. And what ends up happening is that he fills our sails with the wind to run from sin and to run to him. It's God's word when we meditate on it day and night. Day and night. And so my prayer for you today is that may you be a church that meditates on God's word. And that as you meditate on God's word, you not only just read it, but you would recite it. But, and then not only that, just recite it, but you will ruminate over it. You know, just the past couple of weeks have been so tough for me. As, as it just, um, part of my story is, 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 is that uh, I, I grew up in a household that was very, that was just like, I probably think that was the most happiest household until HIV AIDS came in and affected my mother. And we got to watch her die and become a living skeleton on the bed. And literally just like, there were days, that, there were days when we got really just, we, I, I got so depressed after she passed away that like this is when I got to meet Jesus because I was, I was suicidal, trying to take my own life. And I remember those days uh, when I finally got to meet Jesus. He changed everything in my life. And in those rough times, I remember one of my pastors, my, my pastors giving me some three and saying, I want you to go and meditate on this. And I remember that was, that saved me a lot. Lord, look, they've increased, that trouble me. Look, many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for you in God. But you, oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and lifter of my head. I cried to the Lord and he he heard me from his holy hill and I lay me down and I slept for he sustains me. Arise, O Lord, right? I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. For what? For you are with me. And I remember chewing on that, on the verge of almost taking my own life. Chewing on that wasn't until later, just a couple of years later, my sister uh, contracts the same disease. My, my best friend, my sister, she's 24 when I'm holding her, looking like a little baby in my hands, a living skeleton. And as she was dying, it was so hard to go through that. But I remember running to the Lord. I will lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He spoke the world into existence. My help comes from him. And then 
And so just like I remember that Psalm 121 carrying me through the desert. I will not be scorched by the heat of trials and temptation. I remember serving as a missionary sitting across the ocean, the Indian Ocean in Mozambique, crying my eyes out every morning, but reminding myself, God, you are good. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. You, you, you will carry me through this. In the past couple of weeks, my, my father has not been feeling well, going through the same thing. He's struggling with HIV AIDS again, and as well, watching him and, 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 and my young brother and I were looking at each other and we're saying, I, we don't even know how to pray at this time. We don't know how to pray and we're watching him. We, we're reliving the same nightmare over and over until I stumbled on Psalm 43 verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Then I will praise him. And for me, I say, God, it's hard. I know this life in this world is a fight for joy. It's hard for me to have joy in you. But your word says you are my exceeding joy. And you can sustain me, brothers. Consider it pure joy when you enter through trials of various kinds. Why? Because he is working in us. And, and, and let me tell you, scripture, if you take it and you chew it, ruminate on, on it and respond to it, it will sustain you through the hardest of times. You know what you're going to discover there? You're going to discover this, 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 you're going to have this confidence of, I don't know how to move forward, but I know he's with me. You're going to discover a God. Have I not commanded you? Be not be dismayed. Do not fear, for I am with you. You. Hebrews chapter 13 is going to say the same thing. What? He says, listen, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is going to say that I am with you till the ends of the earth. What really the scripture is God with us makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. And I love, I love as I end, I love Psalm 73. Right now it's just been, been one of my greatest scriptures to really meditate on. Where there sometimes as a pastor I'm doing hospital visits and I'm doing all these things. And it's so easy sometimes to end up envying everybody else who's, who's got health care, who's doing all these things. And I realize like I'm trying to get my dad into the hospital. Doctors are on strike. And it's too expensive, this, this, and that. And I'm reminded every time I go to Psalm 73, that God, you're good. As for me, it is good to be near you. And as long as I'm near you, I'm going to constantly discover that I've got victory. If God is for us, who can be against us? So for us, this is what we find out. We discover that he's a God who pursues us. He's a God who identifies with us. He's a God who offers life and life abundantly when we go in there. So anxiety, inadequacy, fear, despair are overcome and they're replaced by the courage and confidence of Yahweh's presence. And that keeps us going. As long as he's on our side, that makes all the He doesn't promise sometimes that life is not going to be hard. But there's one promise you can count on. 
when you get into the word of God, you meditate, and you're going to get to the same conclusion. He is a God who is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. God, I'm praying, Lord, that New Life Church will be a church that is known for discipleship. A New Life Church will be a church that is known for being centered in your word. I know that this is a desire even for Larry, um, Pastor Larry, Lord, for, for a church that is constantly being formed in the image of your son. So, Lord, I pray that you would call your people this morning. That, Lord, you would charge them to follow your word, God. And that they would read it, Lord, with the anticipation of getting to know you. That, Lord, they would be driven by this passion that drove Paul. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. And the fellowship. Lord, you would create a people in this room, a people that that you have opened their eyes so that they can constantly run to your word and be sustained by your word. Lord, what it would look like for you to create a people that are confident in your word, that are confident in your word that you say you would do with us. So Lord, do this in the 